When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Noel. Our buddy Matt is on adventures. Ben, you're Ben. Matt will be returning soon. They do call me Ben. We're joined as always with our super producer, Paul, Mission Control, Deck, and most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. No. Hacking. Yes, Hacking. Hacking. Can you hack it? We can, can hack it. Can you hack it? Yeah. <laughs> what's, the, uh, what's the first thing you think of when you think of hacking? I guess the term has become, dare I say, a bit hackneyed over time, <laughs> just because it's like, yeah, it conjures images of like bad 90s movie depictions of the internet, of someone with like a weird, like overly bespoke cased laptop ha having a screen flashing access granted, you know, people flying through vectors of like weird transparent buildings like pre-Matrix. Maybe I'm mainly thinking of the movie Hackers, but it was a trope for a while, right, Ben? Does that, is that, come, does that those, some of those things come to mind for you too? You're right, Noel. I always love it in the 1990s films when someone reroutes the encryptions, right? We're that's in. the big <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. the big move. And uh and it's true that hacking is a misrepresented concept in the world of film. Like we are not hackers to be completely honest with everyone, right? Like we we know a little bit of coding we have phones, we get it, but uh, we're also aware that some hacks like Stuxnet can alter the course of history and others 
like WannaCry, can sweep across the globe at a moment's notice. The world of hacking is pretty, pretty invisible to most people, but it's a dangerous world, and it's a very real one with genuine potential for harm. And so tonight, uh, we decided to explore the story of one hacker in particular, a guy named Marcus Hutchins, who accidentally, per his own account, stopped a global conspiracy and saved the world. Here are the facts. Who is this guy? Dang. Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, like when we think of hackers, we usually think of like some like aim screen name type handle. Right. It's like well, they don't often even get elevated to the point where we even like know their names. That's by design because a lot of these folks want to stay anonymous. But we do know a thing or two about Marcus. Uh, he was born in the 90s. Damn you, child. <laughs> 1994 uh, in the UK. Sorry. Whenever I see someone born in the 1990s, God forbid, even the 2000s, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm such an old but yes they're out born, there i know they exist they're everywhere man they're crawling out of the woodwork and they're doing big stuff no doubt uh in the united kingdom in 1994 marcus already was uh when he came of age or at least to the point where he could you know click clack on a computer was already showing great promise with uh computers and early kinds of programming um there's a story apocryphal or no um that talks about how he was able to bypass the computers at his school reroute the encryptions dare we say um bypass the school's computer i guess let's say Locks, you know, protection systems, maybe something that would not allow people to install outside software so that he could install game software, you know, some kind what of freeware. What do you think he was playing? I guess in the 90s, it would have been, what was, what, was the, what was the PC game? This is way post Doom and like the id software stuff. What would, maybe Minecraft? Maybe you're right. We came up on Oregon Trail. Let's be honest. That's true. Yeah. And then I just remember, you know, with all the id software games, those were the ones where they would send you the freeware discs in the mail. And so that was something that everyone would have installed. But in the, I guess he would have been coming of age like in the early 2000s. So that might have been Minecraft. That's my theory. Mm. That's a solid one. I agree with you. We, we're getting a lot of his initial career and origin story somewhat apocryphal as you as you said no from this article by Andy Greenberg over at Wired and Marcus teaches himself the ins and outs of coding he starts hanging out online right <laughs> in these forums in these pre reddit areas or Reddit was already around, or things like Reddit, uh, things like the Chans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I well, it would have so been old. more for these smaller communities. Definitely wouldn't have been quite in the mainstream as much as it is today. Yeah, he was specifically hanging out with the bad kids of the internet who wanted to flex on malware. Uh, malware is like software. It, it is a... Um, a genre definition of things, programs that are meant to compromise other machines in some way. He's, dare I say, hacking uh, at an early age, and he's very young at this point still. 
Yeah, I think at around 14 years old, he comes up with his first kind of little hack, I guess. Uh, it is funny that how hack has sort of become more appropriated by the normies, like the idea of like life hacks and stuff. But um, back in this day, it was it was kind of literally figuring out a weakness, you know, some sort of vulnerability in a piece of software and then exploiting that. This would probably be one of the more basic types of hacks. And he did that with Internet Explorer, um, figuring out that whole, what is it, like the autofill stuff where it like saves your info and I think back in those days, it wasn't as like authentication heavy as it is now. Like even to get access to certain autofill type things, you have to enter a password and a username and maybe even a fingerprint, you know, if you're using one of those um, newer Mac laptops. But he, Get a text uh, on your phone. That's right. Exactly, because a lot of times this stuff will include credit card information. It could even include, you know, that would not be the brightest thing in the world to always have that stuff, um, you know, available for autofill. But it certainly is out there now and a little more protected. But back then, it would be for stuff like addresses, you know, for shipping or whatever it might be. And he used it to, I guess, send a direct line. Uh, back to him, you know, from the his computer with this, the malware installed to give people's passwords. Mm-hmm. And he never used it to commit a crime. It, the forums he was hanging out on were all about flexing. It's like uh, his version of a skate park, you know, right. where people are doing their half pipe tricks. Right. And he gets acceptance and approval online and he hangs out more and more often on these forums and his teachers and his parents notice that he's not doing so great at his homework in Mm -hmm. school. Yeah. The regular stuff, no, because he's spending all his time on those computer labs, and um, much like what happens when uh, hackers are convicted, you know, and sent away, that a lot of times one of the conditions of their release are you can never go near a computer ever again, which always seems so heartbreaking. But yeah, he was banned from using any of the school's computers because the faculty thought that he had hacked uh, the entire school network, which he did deny. Again, we've got some apocryphal tales in here, um, which is always kind of the way it goes with figures like this. But in the end, uh, it was just just the push over the cliff he needed to even more reject kind of the stuff they were trying to hopefully get him to do to, to go deeper into in terms of like normal homework and a career and all of that stuff. So he stopped basically stopped going to school. You can't blame him. You know, oh yeah, uh, it's a tor- terrible move to really absolutely misguided attempt to get someone to not do the thing that they love. Mm-hmm. And so he gets pushed away from uh, what would we call it? We're going to sound very old. His IRL society mm-hmm. in real life society. He gets sure. pushed away, and soon he is hanging out full time on these internet forums and. You know, these are forms associated with what we would call pen testing, if we're being correct, penetration testing. Ah, yeah. I wasn't familiar with that one. And, and it's like you said, I mean, it, a lot of it was sort of flexes, like, here's, see what I can do. But it wasn't necessarily like these folks were colluding, you know, to plan large scale internet heists. But as we know, in order to know what the bad guys are doing and how to protect against what they're doing, you got to kind of have the same bag of tricks. So this really is kind of an interesting early, you know, kind of entry point into what ultimately led to him being as known as he became. Mm -hmm. Just so. And, you know, 
at this point, if you're hanging out with those bad kids on that internet half pipe, the feds are going to come shut you down. The squares are going to come in and authorities will clamp down on one site, but they're essentially playing whack-a-mole, which means that the users of these forums will transfer to another site. So the forum that our young friend Hutchins hangs out at gets closed down, gets shut down. So he moves to another spot it's called, in a burst of creativity, <laughs> Hack Forums. <laughs> no one will know. No, no one will ever figure no. that one out. Well, hell, man, isn't the smarter move, instead of, like, cracking down and, like, tipping your hand, just to kind of lurk and see what you can see? I guess you, they probably do that for a while and then get to a point where they're like, okay, we've exhausted this one. We need to – I just wonder what would be the impetus for the cops coming in and breaking them up or alerting these folks to their presence or if it's more like – they overplayed their hand and the kids are like, oh, no, we've been, we've been made. We need to move on, right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, we've got a great quote from Wired from our buddy Andy writing here. Uh, and he talks about, you know what this makes me think of? It makes me think of uh, walking into a hotel pool or something like that where you have the steps at first where you dip your toes in. And our buddy Hutchins is walking in deeper and deeper water. Uh, Wired describes hack forums in a pretty interesting way. Yeah, he describes the members as um, being a shade more advanced in their skills and a shade murkier in their ethics. A Lord of the Flies collection of young hackers seeking to impress one another with nihilistic feats of exploitation. Therein lies the flex we were talking about. Uh, the minimum table stakes to gain respect from the hack forum's crowd was possession of a botnet, a collection of hundreds of thousands of malware-infected computers that obey a hacker's command commands capable of directing junk traffic at rivals to flood their web servers and knock them offline, what's known as a distributed denial of service or DDoS attack. Pretty common um, technique. We've, we've heard that, you know, make the news plenty. Like, I, if I'm not mistaken, we were all just in Las Vegas recently, and I think they were a victim of a hack that I think involved, at least in part, DDoS attacks because all of their servers were overloaded. They couldn't talk to each other, the MGM hotels, and the lights were, wouldn't work in the room. And when you have a system that's so interconnected like that, these things can be crippling, right? You nailed it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and it's sad that uh, Matt is on adventures because that's one of the things, as you recall, that he brought up to us. Uh, before you and Paul and I traveled to Las Vegas, Matt was, I'm not going to do an impression of Matt <laughs> because we all know How him could very you? well. It's not possible. He's too Is singular, he? that boy. Uh, he's such a voice. Yeah. And, uh, and Matt, just so everyone knows, Matt was telling us before we went to Vegas about the hack. I think he was the first one who clocked it. And he was saying, Guys, we got to be careful. He asked us if we would bring burner phones. And uh, I'm be honest with you, I did not bring a burner phone. I used my real phone in Las Vegas. 
But not your real name. <laughs> we were called correctly. <laughs> you were assigned one by hotel management. Um, yeah, but it's crazy how uh, effective some some of these simpler kind of techniques can be. And uh, I guess I didn't really understand the idea of this botnet. Like it's it's basically like these are these are these computers who don't know they've been had, who don't know they've been infected, and are now like under your sway, like that you know sorcerer's apprentice in the brooms kind of scenario, right? <laughs> Yeah. And this kid, Marcus Hutchins, is a child at this point. He's 15 years old. He's all in. He creates a botnet. And uh, what he does is um, he suckers people via fake files or misleading files uploaded to BitTorrent sites. For those of us in a certain demographic, you might think of LimeWire. Or things like that. Oh, dude. But I mean, BitTorrent, you know, you would get it through like the Pirate Bay or whatever, or like there were other different ones. And the way BitTorrent files work is they're like broken up into all these little micro pieces that are then kind of reassembled. So I imagine this is a very smart way of using a technology that is a little bit, you know, more underground internet-y, but is also like, you know, we knew tons of people that weren't mega hacker people that were like using BitTorrent all the time. It was super mainstream, so it would make sense that he amassed a pretty significant bot army by exploiting these BitTorrent sites. For sure. And we all remember, let's be honest, whether you are a uh, straight-laced NRO person or whether you have a little bit of R matey in your college days, you remember the old saying, they said, look, you're never going to get caught if you're downloading the files. You're only in trouble if you're the one uploading them or sharing them, right? And Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so, it was true for some of them, but like the BitTorrent ones, just by participating, you were sort of part of, it, it was harder to track down individuals, I think, because it was like by downloading the file, you were also participating in the upload. But um, I got a few of those web sheriff, uh, you know, <laughs> no copyright way. infringement notices back in the day. I sure did. You know what it was usually about? HBO related content. It was usually about like <laughs> Sopranos episodes or episodes of 600 and you'd get this like form letter. Directed at your ISP, uh, and then they would come to you, and it was like, "Hey, fly right, buddy," or or things are going to go poorly for you. You can get banned from your ISP, but at the very least, that's probably what happened. Oh, jeez. Well, this doesn't hit our boy Hutchins, our young fifteen-year-old Hutchins. He has a bot army. It's like eight thousand computers, and he starts setting up his own business. Uh, he has one called. Ghost hosting, the first O is uh, zero. Get it? Because it's leet speak. Yeah. 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 Very uh, AIM uh, internet-y as well. Uh, this is a server kind of like web services deal. You know, kind of like you know, we know now is like AWS, Amazon Web Services for hosting sites. Uh, much smaller and much more niche. This was specifically for hosting sites for Hack Forum members that allowed them to shield uh, their i their IP addresses from anyone who would try to you know find where the 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 root of such sites might be. Um, but he had 
some caveats. He would allow people to post anything other than child sexual abuse material. So good on him for that, of course, because we know a lot of times these masked, you know, um, websites or servers, that's a big part of it. But what he was doing essentially was like sort of a smaller scale Silk Road dark web thing. But I don't think you needed like a Tor browser to access it. I think it wasn't like exactly dark road Silk Web, but it was it was in that vein. The idea that you couldn't necessarily figure out where it was coming from. And maybe there was even a way for users to be encrypted so they couldn't be tracked either. Yeah, it was all about anonymity. And he had these ethical lines. He kept evolving his skills. He learned how to analyze and improve other hackers' software, especially their rootkits. Rootkits are a thing that will change the operating system of a computer such that it can hide itself. And people were massively impressed on these forums. And by the way, at this point, none of these folks on these forums know anything about each other. They're very careful with it. And this guy, our guy Mark, he starts taking these gigs writing what the authorities will call malware. And he's picking up little side joints, you know, he's like, hey, I I know how to turn a piece of code here. And that's where he meets someone calling themselves Vinny. Things turn dark. It eventually leads him to something terrible called Wanna Cry. Yeah, it's interesting to kind of get the the, the trajectory of this kid and his sort of like uh, upbringing or like his rise in this kind of culture. Because at this point, he's like a teenager, you know, he's basically kind of like a snotty teenager who just kind of maybe wants to wreak a little bit of chaos, you know, but he does seem to have a moral code which I think is important. And I think what we're going to see is a turn where he's like, ooh, with great power comes great responsibility kind of vibes, you know? And it just took him meeting the supervillain kind of of our story uh, to make that realization. But maybe I'm over overstating the case, but uh, it's a really interesting story. You're 100% correct, Noel. I propose we pause for a word from our sponsor, which will hopefully be a VPN company. Yeah, no doubt. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? 
Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Here's where it gets crazy. So, this guy Vinny contacts Marcus. Marcus is about 16 at this point, and Vinny is a stranger on the internet. Marcus does not know him from a can of paint. And uh, Vinny goes to Marcus and says, I'll give you a job. Make a uh, new root kit for me, kiddo. Uh, and I'll sell it all over the cool people internet, and you will get 50% of the profits dude sounds like a deal i'm 16 on i'm doing this for fun largely anyway and i'm starting to make a little extra money you know proving the principle and mom and dad wrong you know why wouldn't i hop on this train um so a little uh, more than halfway through 2012 um they get this whole deal up and running something called a upas kit which i believe is named after a poison tree so maybe it's pronounced upas upas yeah uh Look, I am also not 100% on the pronunciation, but it, you're right, Noel. It is named after a poisonous tree, Antiaris toxicaria. Yeah, that sounds scary, mainly just because it has <laughs> toxic in it. But yeah, it's, <laughs> right. it's part of the mulberry family, which is a very pleasant sounding tree. But so, yeah, th this is their enterprise they've been working on for a bit now. Um, and at this point, Vinny sends Hutchins like a bunch of drugs. For his yeah. birthday? In yeah, the mail? because cause he was, uh, so Mark was complaining to his internet friend Vinny about how difficult it was to find good drugs in the United Kingdom. Okay, so this was not completely unsolicited then? Like Mar Marcus is into these drugs or he, he wasn't just like, cause that also seems like a flex too, where it's like, I know where you live and I'm sending you illegal stuff. This would have been appreciated by young Marcus. I'm hoping we're not talking about crank or heroin here. Maybe just some weed. Yeah. I think it was just saying, I can't find good weed in the United Kingdom. And Vinny comes through with more than just cannabis. I see. I see. Yeah. So there is a little bit of a little bit of a flex in there, too, I think, where it's almost like, you know, yeah, you're in deep because to your point, Ben, he, he'd always um, sort of just ridden that line between doing stuff that was just a little more anarchist and a little more just kind of middle finger to the man and like square society, but never things that would be considered fully morally reprehensible or like felony level illegal. Right. Right. Just so uh, the UPAS, UPAS sales had allowed Marcus the ability to not go to school and to work full time 
Uh, he was supporting himself. He was one of those kids uh, who probably looked like, uh, what do you call it, uh, hikikomori, the mm-hmm. kids who stay home. I'm sure, <laughs> guys. Yeah, in Japan, for sure. Yeah. Or, or like in Spider-Man, he's like the guy in the chair, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. And it, he was increasingly living this double life. He was a mild-mannered young British man by day. He was a master hacker by night. And here we go back to Marcus's own admissions. He made a serious error, just like you said, Noel. He had always stayed a step away from actions he considered illegal or unethical or morally reprehensible. And he said he knew of criminals and he knew of crimes they had committed but he did not consider himself a criminal. He always thought he was just on the side of the law. Exactly. And now he's starting to get an inkling that he's starting to, you know, wade into some of those deeper waters, going past the kiddie pool and into the, you know, the the scary part of the pool where the monsters are. They really are, you guys. Be careful. The part where you can't see the bottom, there's scary stuff down there. You ever have that? I pretend that there was jaws was in the pool. Maybe I just like to freak myself out when I was a kid, but I think the metaphor holds true. The metaphor does hold true, and you are terrified of open water. Yeah, it's a, it's just a thing that I, it's a recurring theme for me in dreams where I can't see the bottom. And it's not usually even things that I think are going to murder me. It's just big things that you can't see. And sometimes the big things that you can't see, you don't really know whether they're good or bad. And and at this point, you made a really good point in the outline, Ben. We're not sure whether Marcus is living a, a double life as a superhero or potentially a supervillain in the making. Ah, he's he's living two lives, and he's not sure at this point, right? Which is uh, which is good or which is bad? His buddy Vinny asked him to write a new version of uh of this malware of this program and he asked marcus to write in some programming that would be a little bit of an escalation things like key logging a couple other specific bells and whistles no we know what key logging is yeah, I think it's similar to the little hack he was talking. We were talking about earlier that he did with Internet Explorer, where it's using that autofill stuff uh, to funnel information out out of out of the person's individual computer. So when you're typing something, um, somebody who has root access to your machine can then get a copy of that, and they can access like things that you have input manually into your computer, which oftentimes, you know, all the time really includes personal uh, data and passwords and things that you do not want people to have access to. And if you are hearing this on a work computer, if you use a work laptop, it is completely legal for your employer to do key logging programs. And just be aware. So anyway. Oh, they even use it to measure productivity sometimes. Like that's a thing, you know, they can literally check your work, you know, not to (laughs) make people freak out or be paranoid, but um, that is important. Don't, don't fool yourself. If you're using a work machine for things that aren't work related, it's not like they're watching you 24 seven, but that stuff is fair game. So just Mm -hmm. be, be warned, right? 
Yeah, be aware. So Marcus is a very smart dude. He's a kid at this point still, and he knows these functionalities for exactly what they are. He says, look at this. This will be a program specifically built to target financial institutions. And in his mind, he says, if I do this, I am committing crime. There's no way to rationalize it. There's no way to call it a gray area. There is no liminal space. I will not write this thing, he tells his quote-unquote pal, Vinny. And then Vinny reveals there was a poison pill to that gift. Mm. Oh, boy. Could have. could. I think that's what I was maybe picking up on mm-hmm. a little bit, where it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I've got something on you. A poison pill, indeed. Uh, sending that package of drugs meant that he had basically blackmail level information on Marcus and could uh, go about exposing, you know, his kind of um, secret activities. So they came to a bit of a a compromise where Marcus made only a few of the chair, a handful of the changes and updates that were being asked of him, the key logging. And then he then decided he would farm out the rest of the uh, things that Marcus would not willingly do, you know, elsewhere. Yeah, Marcus agreed to make the key logging functionality and dragged his feet a bit by his own admission. You can read his blog. Uh, it, Vinny goes, like you said, Noel, he outsources and gets the other functions for this thing. And this thing evolves. And by 2014, Vinny quote-unquote Vinny, is selling a new program. It's called Kronos. Marcus continues his regular life. He goes to community college. He graduates. People have no idea that he is basically Neo in the Matrix. <laughs> sure. and, uh, yeah, and things, uh, things start to go south in his online world. So we can... We can I think gloss over some of the terrible things that happen there. Uh, eventually, Marcus takes on the name Malware Tech, and nobody knows that Malware Tech is a guy in the United Kingdom named Marcus Hutchins. Until 2017. Yeah, um, that's when the uh, WannaCry ransomware attacks happen. Um, And I got my wire to a little cross when we were talking about the MGM stuff. While there may have been a DDoS attack as part of that, mainly what that whole thing was about was ransomware. Um, WannaCry uh, was is a ransomware crypto worm, which to your made up. Then, what is that? Cyberpunk. Yeah, a hundred percent. All these words are great. I love it. Thank you, William Gibson. Uh, and by the way, <laughs> that cyberpunk <laughs> cartoon that goes along with the game that's on Netflix, mm-hmm. it's very mm-hmm. good. It's really really cool. It's called Cyberpunk. Some colon something, but it's pretty, pretty cool. And it does a great job of uh, carrying on the legacy of like William Gibson and and Philip K. Dick and a lot of the kind of, you know, forebears of uh, really interesting kind of internet culture and science fiction. But ransomware basically holds this information uh, or the information on your computer hostage um, by encrypting the files, like not to your benefit, right? Like locking you out, essentially. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crypto ransomware or by locking you out of your computer entirely, which would be locker ransomware, which we, uh, Noel, I have to pause for a moment and on Matt's behalf also uh, say thank you so much for shouting out William Gibson. Neuromancer, uh, mm-hmm. the author who saw it all coming. Uh, <laughs> ransomware, ransomware is pretty nasty because it will direct the victim to pay some sort of financial thing, right? Uh, through a very specific set of instructions. Usually Bitcoin nowadays or some sort of derivative of uh, WannaCry is even nastier because WannaCry will automatically propagate itself. It is considered a network worm. When it hit the internet, it was May 12th, 2017. It continued to May 17th. (laughs) And during just that, that small amount of time, just those few days, it hit over 150 countries. It was nasty. It went so far because it was based on it was based on some demonic stuff that Uncle Sam figured out. And uh, experts and you know folks kind of watch watching the uh, the events unfold began to advise to not pay the ransom because there had not been any reliable information uh, pointing to people actually getting their stuff back. Yeah, and WannaCry was based on an exploit called Eternal Blue, which was discovered slash created slash developed by the NSA about a month before WannaCry hit the world. There was a group, you're going to love this, man, because I know you love cyberpunk. There was a group of hackers named the Shadow Brokers. Yeah. That's a real thing. So How is cool. that a real thing? Yeah, they, it, it, it sounds yeah. like cyberpunk, but it also sounds like uh, Skyrim or something like much more, <laughs> you know, Lord of the Ringsy, <laughs> right? The uh, I'm sure they love all of these things. They might be playing Skyrim now. The Shadow Brokers stole the Eternal Blue exploit from the NSA somehow, and they leaked it to the world. And the WannaCry attack mainly worked on organizations that had not updated their software. They had not applied patches from Microsoft. They were working with older, outdated versions of operating systems. And at this point, we have to be honest, it is very, very easy to ignore all those things, all those little pop-ups you get that say, update your software now, right? Like, uh, how many times have you ignored those today, folks? Yeah, you know, I'm, I, I run a lot of, like, I, I use my personal computer for work and, you know, uh, personal stuff when I'm at home, and then I have my work laptop. But I oftentimes don't have auto-install on for those iOS updates for Mac because a lot of the third-party, like, audio things that I use, they'll quickly get bricked if you do the wrong update. So sometimes you have to, like, wait, like, a year for a, a new update to be fully tested. But then there are also sort of like sub updates that are more like security things. Those are the ones you do want to make sure you do. Even if you're not doing the full updates, always make sure that the security patches are 
turned on because that's the kind of stuff that is protecting you from these sorts of things. Absolutely. I think it's very easy to ignore that routine maintenance, right? That routine security. And especially if you're like us, if you work with any cavalcade of idiosyncratic apps or platforms, it's kind of like a house of cards. You know, if you change one, and then it changes everything else. Uh, and that's what the hackers are counting on. And that is why within just a few days, WannaCry infected hundreds of thousands of computers. The estimates of damage ranged from hundreds of millions of dollars to literally billions of dollars. And like you said, the experts told everyone one, patch your computer, and two, don't give in to the ransom. Don't give in to the terrorist because they're not going to give you your money back. No one knew what to do until one day our pal Marcus Hutchins walked home from lunch and found out what was going on. We're going to pause for a word from our sponsor, and then, Noel, maybe we talk about how this guy saved the day. Absolutely. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. And we're back uh, talking about... 
Mild-mannered Marcus Hutchins um, of the internet and also the United Kingdom, who had been through kind of an emotional roller coaster at this point. Um, I, I did do a little extra reading, and, and the the package of drugs that were sent to him wasn't just weed. It was like amphetamines and psychedelics and hallucinogens. And apparently when he started doing a lot of these kind of like uh, all night coding sessions, once he stopped uh, going to school, he himself got addicted pretty badly to amphetamines. He used to mm-hmm. he replaced them, replaced just, you know, coffee with it. So he, he, he was down a, a, a pretty dark path in more ways than one. You know, he had basically been blackmailed himself by this Vinny character uh, who threatened to turn the information he had on him against him. Um, this package of drugs that he sent to him, he perhaps turn him into the FBI or whatever, not to mention other stuff that he likely had. Can you imagine, Ben, if you were doing this and thinking you were like, you know, King S-H-I-T of F-U-C-K Mountain, uh, and then all of a sudden the person that has guided you into this world turns on you, and now you feel like you're sort of, you're their botnet, you know? They've got control of you. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, it's evil, but that's a a great feeling. (laughs) Yeah, that's the deep water you're talking about yeah and this is hutchins has to struggle through this stuff he is by the time wanna cry hits he is navigating the brighter side of drug addiction i think and he is working through what we would call uh white hat hacking which is uh you know we have DEFCON here in Las Vegas. Sure. It's where, yeah, it's where you, um, where essentially you are no longer paid to do malware programming. You are paid by companies like a bounty hunter. You find the exploits, the vulnerabilities in their software, and they give you a ton of money. If it works out, this guy is working under the name malware tech and you can find uh his blog as marcus hutchins uh you can also find malware tech he's not really on twitter anymore which i know is a bummer for you noel because you love twitter so very much i love it so much yeah yes Oh gosh! Oh it's, oh gosh! Pardon me. No, no, to... you're you're right on the money, Ben. Even like the emails that I get from them still say X, formerly Twitter. It's like <laughs> it's not it's not going to happen, Elon. Um, but yeah, he 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 gets wind of this. Um, I think largely in much the same way that, that the rest of the world does, but he has more information that the rest of the world doesn't have, so he knows what he's looking at. Hutchins learned of WannaCry after he had some lunch on May the 12th. He saw networks across Britain's healthcare system had been hit by the ransomware. So that's, that's you know, and this is the kind of stuff that that is the super dark side. Uh, you know, we, we, we're talking about casinos. That sucks for business. You know, casinos make a lot of money, losing money, you know, inconveniencing guests and all of that. And that sucks. That's no good. But healthcare systems, 
people could die, you know, like, like not to mention like the, if, if it's, if it's interconnected in the same way that the power stuff was, you know, at, uh, at the MGM, a lot of these larger facilities, they're going to have that level of interconnectedness. So he sees reports of Britain's health system being hit by these. That's going to be things like records and, you know, all of that stuff. But he, with the information that he has, knowing this is likely an extension of the thing that he participated in, in some way, um, he starts to get a little micro, you know, look Looking into the code and seeing what he can see. And as he is running his digital fingers across the carapace of this thing, he finds a chink in the armor, a gap. Uh, he sees that there is a part of the code that includes a web address. The web address is not registered. So he registers the domain. This is very in the weeds, but he registers the domain and and he he's on record saying this. He said he always says like I paid $10.69 to get the domain address. And at the same time while he's doing this concurrently across the pond there's another guy who also deserves his flowers, a guy named Darian Huss. He's 28 years old. He lives in uh, the United States, I think in the Michigan area. He is a research engineer for a cybersecurity firm called Proofpoint. And this guy's doing his own analysis. And this guy, Darian, notices that whomever wrote this hardware left in a feature called a kill switch. And so Darian sends a screenshot of this to our buddy Hutchins, who is still at this point anonymous online. So they go back and forth about this and realize something really, really important, that registering the domain name and uh, redirecting the attacks to Malwaretech's server had actually activated the kill switch, which halted the basically uh, neutralized the ransomware, um, creating something that's known as uh, in the in the hacking parlance as a sinkhole. Yeah, that means that the the attacks uh, with with that current variant of WannaCry will no longer execute successfully. And it's it's weird how this stuff is like um, it's like COVID. That's why they call it a virus, right? Because there could be a new variant. One of the first things that malware tech does is say, look, you have to get all of your operating systems patched immediately. And he has a great crisis of faith here because to reveal this, to save the internet, he has to give up his anonymity. And that's what he does. That's why we know malware tech is cybersecurity consultant Marcus Hutchins. You can find him today, folks, MarcusHutchins.com. The guy literally saved the internet. He says he did it accidentally. He says he stumbled upon it. And there's so much more to the story. But I think we got to. I think we got to give the guy the props where it's due. Noel, would our podcast exist if if WannaCry continued? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, you got you do have to kind of wonder like 
it was so insidious that it could have caused irreparable damage to large systems. You know, this was also long enough ago that it's almost like the way airports were before 9-11. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, it, once, once something massive like this happens that is so earth-shattering, you know, then uh, things, things kind of turn a corner in terms of, like, security. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm off base there, but it does feel like that's the case. This, like you said at the beginning of the show, this, this really was something that shifted the course of technological events. Um, so yeah, I think it could have knocked things out. I always think of the movie as bad as it is escape from LA, the sequel to escape from New York, the John Carpenter movie, the sequel is, is pretty bad overall, but it has a, pretty interesting foil or or plot, I guess, device where it's this idea that like all electricity and interconnected, you know, machinery will, will, will be killed, including batteries. And they don't really explain how that makes sense. I remember that. Mm -hmm. I remember the soundtracks banging though. It's pretty good. But it does make me think of like, is this some kind of like, would this be a a fight club event? Like a project mayhem (laughs) set us back to the stone age type event. We don't know because Hutchins did jump in. Would it have been solved otherwise? I mm. don't know that either. What do you think, Ben? A lot of this stuff is just based on boneheaded, ex- like uh, exploitable flaws in software. You know, would the would the the Microsofts of the world have figured it out first and figured out how to do something about it? I kind of think no. I kind of think you're right on that one, Noel. Because consider that Eternal Blue, which is the exploit. Uncle Sam figured out uh, Eternal Blue was discovered by the United States government, and they could have told Microsoft. They did not tell Microsoft. They instead built a monster, right? And the monster got out of its cage and then became another thing. It evolved like some sort of sinister evil pokemon right and and, in its final form (laughs) yeah right Mm -hmm. and marcus hutchins is the one person who said hang on a sec wait a tick you know and uh did the right thing the story continues of course uh wanna cry is largely suspected to be a creation of the dprk of the north korean government uh in full fairness, the government of North Korea denies that it was them in a stunning plot twist. So I, I guess when, when you're in this this kind of world, you know, and all the, these types of code, these pieces of code, there's, there's an op- open sourceness to it. You know, if you're in the community, you share and share alike, and maybe something some group did, you know, a small close-knit group of you know, hackers or coders might end up in, in another attack, right? Because this stuff is kind of shared. So Hutchins, it's not like he directly participated in making this. It was just something that the experience that he had with Vinny led him to have the know-how to recognize what he was looking at. Is that right? You're absolutely right, dude. Because if you go to MarcusHutchins.com right now, what you can see is threat intelligence a lot of work basically i guess if you're if you're like this guy you feel like you're always telling people the same things you're always saying hey update your browser hey don't 
you know, click on pop-ups or whatever for us knuckleheads in the crowd. And uh, we have a lot to thank this guy for because he, he genuinely did stop a conspiracy. And, no, you and I talked about this off-air. A lot of people familiar with the situation are probably going to say, hey, Noel, Matt, Paul, Ben, Doc Holliday, why are you acting like this guy should get a statue in the town square? Why are you acting like he's a super perfect person? He got in trouble later, right? Well, I mean, you know, he, he was eventually uh, kind of roped in with the scheme or surrounding the scheme that Vinny was at the center of. And in, in 2017, he got arrested by the FBI. Um, he was brought up on hacking charges or, or six hacking related federal charges uh, in the U.S. District Court for Eastern District of Wisconsin um, related to spreading that Kronos um, package. And he was asked to flip, you know, on some of his fellow, you know, hackers or community members, including Vinny. He did not have enough information on Vinny to actually give them anything actionable. Um, so he, he wasn't able to, and then he refused to flip on anybody else in, in the community. He did plead guilty in 2019 to two of the 10 charges against him, uh, including wire fraud, distributing, selling, promoting, and advertising a device used to intercept electronic communications. Um, he basically, just from sitting in jail uh, during a lot of these proceedings, ended up with time served and some some fines. So he was punished, you know, for some of this stuff. And then he, you know, presumably flipped it around into how can I be legitimate and, like, use what I know to help stop bad guys, whether or not that's just to benefit, like, companies that can pay him. I don't think we're saying he's necessarily this, like, white knight, but he did make some good decisions along the way and did not turn down what could have been a much darker, super villainous path. Mm -hmm. And the judge in his case sentenced him to time served and one year of supervised release and said, you have turned the corner. You stopped using your skills for criminal purpose. You've made them a benefit to society well before you ever went to court. So they, right. they said like you made the right decision before you were forced into doing so. That's which, right. Yeah. yeah. You I like to see why. that. I think that's important <laughs> because a lot of times I think we think judges are, they don't look at stuff like that or, or that it's, it's really hard to, to get, uh, uh, to, to have a sense that there is some redemption, you know, that, but like, you know, he made these choices on his own. We're talking about decisions that he made all on the way where he could have gone down this fork in the road, but instead he went down this one. And that all led to, I think, what has ended up being a, a, a very thoughtful and intelligent uh, person that's using some skills that they have for the betterment of, of, of you know, whatever. Um, because you can't fight fire with you know jello maybe a lot of jello. <laughs> what? It's, it's that, be fire. that's like my favorite that's my favorite analogy you've ever done okay i'm gonna go <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put that one on a shirt but i just mean like you know when you're in these circles these very mm. elite circles where you have to earn your way in those are the people that really know how to stay on top of what's going on because these are very fast moving developments in, in technology and in like cybersecurity and threats. So it's kind of, uh, whether he's a 
superhero or not, I'm glad that there are people like him out there, hopefully keeping us from getting escaped from LA and back into the stone age. (laughs) So let's end on this. Maybe there's a great quote from the judge. Uh, The judge says, it's going to take individuals like yourself who have the skill set, even at the tender age of 24 or 25, to come up with solutions. The judge, even in court, implied or argued that Marcus Hutchins should get a full pardon while admitting that the current court had, did not have the power to grant one. It was like, ah, you're good though. You turned it around, and uh, and and it's neat. It's neat to hear this. Here's another line. It's neat to hear stuff like this. There are just too many positives on the other side of the ledger. The final call in the case of Marcus Hutchins today is a sentence of time served with a one year period of supervised release, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. He's online now. You can go. Well, that's right. Like, again, we talked about this at the top of the show, too. A lot of these folks that maybe don't demonstrate this turning of the corner are barred from ever touching a computer again for the rest of their lives. And as we know, someone who that is like, this is a passion for folks. They're not always just doing it. The money's part of it. But it's like, it is how their brains work. And, like, to be cut off from that would be the greatest punishment of all, I think. And so, uh, good good on Marcus, man. Cool story. Honestly, kind of a posy vibe story. I'm, I'm, I'm digging it, Ben. It's kind of cool, right, Noel? And uh, we like the positive stories, especially especially these kind of these empowered underdogs, right? This is a David Goliath kind of story. There was one guy who, with a little help from his friends, stopped a global conspiracy midway. You know, that's pretty amazing we would love to hear more stories like that what are your favorite tales of people who successfully stopped a global catastrophe please find us online <laughs> right it's a little bit yeah. funny to say yeah. that at this point. There. There, 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 there are other ways uh, if you if you don't want to catch a worm um, but you can hit us up uh, at the social media uh, platform of your choosing where we are conspiracy stuff on uh, Twitter uh, nay X X nay Twitter whichever um, YouTube and Facebook where we have a Facebook group here's where it gets crazy new YouTube content popping off every single week uh, we're conspiracy stuff show however on TikTok and Instagram. <laughs> that we are. And uh, as you said, Noel, if you don't care to sip the social meads, have no fear. You can call us directly. 1-833-STD-WYTK. You'll hear a brief uh, message and then you'll hear a beep. You got three minutes. Those are your minutes. Go nuts mm. with them. Yeah. Give yourself a cool nickname. Uh, tell us what's on your mind. Most importantly, tell us if we can use your name and or message on the air. If you are saying, I don't like social media, I don't like votes. What I like is emails then we got your back there too you can always drop us a line any time of day any country you live in as long as you have an internet connection send us a good old-fashioned letter at the place where we read every single email that we get conspiracy at iheartradio.com 
Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.